I'm going to encourage you to grab your Bibles, if you would. Grab your Bibles and let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are in a series called Unstoppable Church. And today we're going to talk about the church and its gifting, the gifted church, the reality that God has given spiritual gifts to us for the purpose of building up one another and to advance the mission of God. Now, as I dive into this, many of you may be familiar with spiritual gifts. Some of you may not, but I'm asking everyone to lean in. When you think about spiritual gifts, here's the thing I want you to think about. I want you to remember the life and ministry of Jesus. When you look at Jesus's life and ministry, we see Jesus walking with this power that was just like no other that he was raising the dead, he was healing the sick, that Jesus walked, and he, when, he, when he preached, crowds uh, listened, and, and when he told someone to stop being blind, they stopped being blind. There was just this power that Jesus lived with in his earthly ministry. But the thing that we need to understand, that while Jesus was fully God and is fully man, that in his earthly ministry, Jesus did not walk in his godness, but rather walked in his humanity but he did so with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So when you see the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus sets the example of what the life that he was going to give to us, the life of walking with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So when we see Jesus' life, we need to see also that in him, the same power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus lived with is the same power of the Holy Spirit that he wants all of us to live with as we follow and pursue him. I don't know if you realize this, that the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that fills you and me. And so we understand that the Christian life was never meant to be a life merely being lived by the strength of, of humanity, of trying to white-knuckle ourselves to doing what God calls us to do and to being what God has called us to be. But rather, the intention is for us to be spirit-filled followers of Jesus who walk in the same supernatural power that Jesus himself walked in. And what we find today in the passages of Scripture is that this supernatural power that we have received in Jesus has given us supernatural gifts that we use to advance his mission and to serve his church. I want to get you to grab your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Paul opens up this discussion. He's going to spend three chapters, and we'll kind of be in all three chapters throughout the morning. But he really opens this conversation up in verse 1 in a very, very pointed way. Look what he says in verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. And I love this next phrase. I do not want you to be, this word here is important, uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. In essence, this same Greek word can be translated differently. He says, and now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. I love the fact that Paul says, listen, there are some of you who are ignorant, and I'm going to try to stomp out the ignorant in ignorance of your life in regards to spiritual gifts. He says, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant. Why is Paul saying this? Because so many people in the church of Corinth and in the church today, we are ignorant, we are uninformed in regards to the spiritual gift. And so what Paul does is he is going to write 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 to inform us on what these gifts are, what they look like, how they operate in the church, and the motive that they should be expressed in. And so he devotes three entire chapters to informing us, to helping us lose the ignorance in regards to spiritual gifts. Some people in the church of Corinth, because they had certain gifts that were considered a little more spectacular than others, they were looking at themselves as being more spiritual. Others who maybe their gift was behind the scenes, they were like, well, we're more spiritual to you because our gifts are more humble than yours. Other people were feeling like because they didn't have that gift or this gift, that they felt like their gift was unimportant. And Paul just says, man, that's ignorant. You're uninformed. And so he wants to correct this 
And he wants to equip us as a body of believers to understand spiritual gifts. Listen, not so that we can gain information about them, so that we can walk in them. It's not the purpose of knowledge, it's the purpose of practice. And this is what we're going to see this morning. So look what he says in verse 4. Paul is going to help us understand more full picture of the spiritual gifts. And here's what he's going to do. There are four Greek words. I'm going to kind of spend a few moments on to help us understand four different Greek words that Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1. We're going to look at verse 4. We've already seen verse 1. And verse 4, to help us understand a fuller picture of what spiritual gifts are. Look what he says here. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Now, there are four words. Let me give you the Greek words here. And I think it's important. Four different words that Paul is using to describe what we would consider spiritual gifts. The first word uh, we see here is that Paul uses the word charisma. The word charisma. It's the word we get the, the word charismatic. Charisma literally means gifts. Another way of, of maybe using this in other places in the Bible, the same word charisma is used in regards to grace, that God gives us grace. So the idea is, is that God gives us acts or works of grace, gifts of grace that God imparts to our lives. So that's the first word that we see. The, the other second word we see, actually he says back in verse number one, it's pneumaticon. It's the word pneumaticon. How many of you online or in this room have pneumatic uh, tools that you use? It's, it's tools that are driven or empowered by air, right? And so here's the idea. Pneumaticon is talking about spiritual. Literally, verse one says, I want to inform you about the spirituals. He doesn't say spiritual gift. He says the spirituals. Literally, it's this Greek word pneumaticon. The, the picture here is, is that the spiritual gifts, these graces, charis, uh, charisma or charismata, he says, these graces, these gifts are of spiritual nature. They come to you by the Holy Spirit. This is the point that he's making. So they're not just gifts, they're spirituals. They're spiritual gifts. Here's word number three, diakonia. Diakonia is the word, we get the same word deacon, right? So deaconos, we get the word deacon. So the word uh, diakonia means service. So I want you to follow what's happening with these words. Paul is helping us understand a fuller picture. They are gifts of grace given to us in the spirit for the purpose of serving others. Another word for this would be ministry or, or serving. This is the picture that he's given us. The fourth word is this. Energema, energema. This is where, what English word do you think we might get from this word right here? Anybody want to say it? Energy, right? Energy. So this word here means activities. Some of your translations, there's different words. The New American Standard has the word affects. The, the NIV uses the word working. The point is, is that the gifts of grace that are spiritual in nature by the Holy Spirit, given for the purposes of service, are energized by the power of God in our life. They are affecting and they are acting and they are working through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the picture Paul wants us to get here in this passage of Scripture. So let me give you, based upon this, let me just give you a very simple definition of spiritual gifts. Here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Spiritual gifts, it is a divinely given and empowered ability that enables a believer to serve the church and advance her mission in a supernatural way. That is what a spiritual gift simply is. I'll have them leave this up here just for a moment. 
So you can understand this is when, when Paul talks about spiritual gifts, this is what Paul is talking about. And spiritual gifts, this is one of the greatest graces God has ever given his body, and we are called to walk in them. Now let me talk, kind of talk about it here. For some of you watching online or maybe in this room, you're kind of freaked out right now because you're like, man, I heard about churches like this. Like there's going to be some snakes coming out and we're going to have some, you know, snake biting services, but that's not this Sunday. That's next Sunday. We're doing that for the homecoming celebration. Um, No, no, no. Seriously, some of us, when we see this, we're kind of skeptical because of some of our background and differences. So let me kind of just give you kind of three schools of thought when it comes to spiritual gifts. I'm going to keep this very, very uh, brief because I don't have much time to spend here. There's really three big primary schools of thought, and maybe for some of you, you're in one of these schools. I know that New Beginnings Baptist Church and our elders are in one particular school of thought on this that we believe is most biblical, but there's the first camp, which is what we call cessationism. Cessationism simply means that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. This is what it means. Cessationism is the belief that the spiritual gifts, specifically of miracles, of healing, and of speaking in tongues, died when the apostles died. That those gifts of the Spirit, other gifts of the Spirit, are still in operation, but those specific sign and miraculous gifts are no longer in effect anymore. They died with the apostles. They do believe God can perform miracles and that God can do the extraordinary, but He no longer does those things through human agents. The second would be the school of Pentecostalism. Pentecostalism is the other extreme of this and probably the school that probably makes some of you most nervous. And Pentecostalism simply believes that all of the gifts are still in effect and it should be normative that believers exercise all of the gifts. Specifically in Pentecostalism, this is where many get confused is because the expectation in this particular school is that if you are truly a spirit-filled believer, you will exercise the miraculous gifts. Speaking in tongues is one of them. Like that for many believe that you don't have the fullness of the spirit, you've not been baptized in the spirit if you don't speak in tongues. And so they'll have special services where you can receive the gift and you know that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit because you speak in tongues. Now listen, I know that not everybody in this category I'm, I'm defining perfectly because it's pretty a, a wide you know, range of where you are in the spectrum. But broadly speaking, this is what these two schools of thought are. And then you have um, continuationism. This is where New Beginnings lands. Continuationism is simply the belief that all of the spiritual gifts, all of them, the sign, the miracles, every spiritual gift is still in effect and is still available to the church. And as God sees fit, he distributes these gifts to the church to be exercised so that the church is built up and the mission of God is advanced. However, one of the things that is very important for those who are continuous is that we have a high Uh, regard for scripture and and the scripture laid specific guidelines on how these gifts are to be exercised within the body of Christ and the purpose that they are used for and they must always be exercised within the context of scripture so we believe the church is that the gifts are available to the church and that the church should operate within the gifts but those gifts should operate always in concert with what God's word clearly uh, says Now, having said all of that, let me give you a couple of truths here that I think are helpful to us. Some truths that we learn from the Apostle Paul so that we can be informed about spiritual gifts. Write this down if you're taking notes. The first is this. Spiritual gifts are provided to every believer. Everybody say every. 
If you're uh, in uh, your living room right now, I expect you to put in the comment section every, all right? Every believer has a spiritual gift. This is what Paul teaches here. Look what he says in verse number 7. He says, to each is given, to each, to every person, this is the point, uh, is given a manifestation or a gift of the Spirit for the common good. So each person who are followers of Christ have been given a spiritual gift. Now, every believer has a spiritual gift. Many have more, but you all, if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you walk in the gifting or not, you've received a gift from the Holy Spirit for you to walk in. I think this is important that Paul makes this note back in verse 4. I won't have you read there, but he says there's a variety of gifts. So each believer has a gift, but not all the gifts are the same. In fact, when you read through the Bible, the Bible doesn't even agree and necessarily on one exhaustive list that other parts of the Bible have certain gifts and certain gifts aren't mentioned and others. There are some gifts are doubled up and some are not. There, there's not really a, a one list that we can go to, but what we do know is that there is a variety of gifts given to the church and every believer has at least one of them, but no believer has all of them. I think this is important that we understand. We'll get to the reason behind this a little later. But there is varied gifts, and God in His grace and mercy, as we're going to see in a minute, distributes those as He sees fit. And I think it's important. We understand the variety of gifts. We understand that some gifts are going to look different. Some gifts, like my gift of preaching and teaching, is a very upfront, vocal, visible gift. Others of you, man, you, you are unbelievable when someone passes away because you are able to minister to the family and meet the needs in ways that, man, are just incredible behind the scenes and no one ever sees it, but that's a spiritual gift that God's given you. Others of you are great leaders and you have the ability to administrate and solve problems and execute plans and God has given you that to operate within the church. And, man, that's a great gift. And it may never be a gift that's celebrated in front of people, but it's a spiritual gift nonetheless. And it's important that we understand that everyone has a spiritual gift and those spiritual gifts vary in how they are distributed. But all gifts are important. This is the emphasis that Paul is going to make. There were some in the church of Corinth, again, that I mentioned earlier. They felt like their spiritual gift was superior because it was very public. Others were more private. They didn't feel like theirs was as spiritual. And there was this divide. But Paul says, listen, that's silly. That's ignorant talk. I remember as a kid, we would have conversations about superheroes, and we would get these big, long debates. Now, listen, we would fight and argue with friends over fictional characters, right? Um, you know, so, so you would have this idea of, well, I think that Batman is the greatest superhero ever. And they're like, Batman's just a rich guy that has a lot of cool toys. And he even said it about himself in the last movie, right? Then others would say, no, no, I think Flash is incredible because look how he can just run so fast. That's, that's amazing. Imagine if he played football and then you have someone go, well, how about the guy that can leap tall buildings in a single bound? He's pretty cool, right? His power is great. And you look back on that as kids, and you're like, how silly was that for us to talk about the, the differences between these superpowers with these fictional characters? But listen, it is so much more silly for you and me to compare our gifts, our, our lack of gifts, to those that are around us. Paul says this is disruptive to the church, and it misses the point of the entire gift. The point is, God, by His grace, has given you a gift, and your gift is different than my gift, but both of our gifts are given to us by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit and are beneficial to the body of Christ. He uses this metaphor. Listen to this. You don't have to turn there. Romans chapter four, or 12, verse 4, rather. Paul says this. He says, For as in one body... We have many members. He's going to use the analogy of the human body, and he's going to come back to this again in 1 Corinthians. 
So he says, for as in one body, we have many members. So I'm one body, but I have many body parts. And, and, and the members do not all have the same function. So my feet do a job, my hands do a job, my eyes do a job, my ears do a job, but they're all a part of the same body. He says, so we, the body of Christ, though many are one body in Christ. Uh, he said, then he says this, he says, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. Uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What is Paul's point? Paul's point is every single one of you have been given a gift from the Holy Spirit. So rather than comparing your gift to the gifts of others, just be thankful that you've received one and be obedient to use it the way that God intended. That's the point Paul is making. He picks up on this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. He says this. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So he's using the very same metaphor he uses in Romans. He says, So it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Would that make it any less a part of the body? He says, think about if your human anatomy began to act like many people act in the church. Well, I wish I was a hand. I'm only a foot. Man, I just stink and they cover me up all the time. It's not fair. I want to be used as a hand. And then coronavirus comes up and now nobody wants to be a hand because the hands can't be used. I just want to be, uh, you know, the eyes, right? So I just want to be able to see. And if every part of the body was the eyes, where would our sense of smell be? Where would our sense of hearing be? Because we now have ears. The point Paul is making is that every single believer has been given a gift and every gift matters in the kingdom and we need to be thankful and exercise and walk in the gifting we've been given. Everybody say amen to that. Listen, this is important that we get. Here's number two. Spiritual gifts are imparted and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are imparted, which means given, and empowered, fueled by the Holy uh, Spirit. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. He says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability uh, to distinguish between spirits, to another various uh, kinds of tongues, uh, to another the interpretation of tongues. Listen to this. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now that last phrase is important who apportions, he gives to each one, each person within the church individually as who sees fit, who wills. The Holy Spirit wills, right? Here's the point. Ready? We don't get to choose the spiritual gift that we have. It is a gift of grace we don't deserve, but God in his grace and mercy has given us this spiritual grace. This gift. And he chooses to distribute the gift that he knows we need and that the church needs. And he knows what gift we'll walk in and operate in best. See, here is the reality. We've got to get this. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not like, hey, I'm trying to try to check, you know, 
zone into the Jedi power and somehow I'm going to tap into this Holy Spirit and you have a Holy Spirit and I have a Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a force. He is a person. He has a mind. He has a will. He has strategy. He has a purpose. He has intention. And he has wisdom beyond our wildest imagination. And he has been entrusted with the responsibility within the triune God to see that the church is gifted and graced with whatever is needed for the church to flourish and for the mission of God to be advanced. And so the Holy Spirit says, uh, New Beginnings Baptist Church, I see so-and-so, and the church needs this. And so I'm going to allow this person to have this give because this person I know the way that God has wired them and for this season of their life and the season of the church this is what I'm going to give them because this is a way that they are going to bless the church you don't get to go like to the buffet of spiritual gifts and be like I think I want some a little of this and I want a little tongues I want a little prophecy and man wisdom sounds cool I kind of need that we don't do that the Holy Spirit says I know what you need I know what my church needs and I'm going to distribute it as I see fit which also means you can't receive the spiritual gift from someone else. There are some in the, the Pentecostalism circle that believe that there are certain pastors who have been given the gift to distribute gifts of the Spirit. But that is not what we find in Scripture. You don't find a class. Hey, you want to learn how to speak in tongues? Come to the class. If you want to learn how to be uh, you know, hospitable, come to this class, and we're going to give you this gift or pray over this gift and make sure this gift is imparted to you. No, 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 no. This is what we see in the Scripture, that the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as He wills, and He distributes. But also, it's not just He imparts it, but He empowers it. Look what He says here again in uh, verse number 11. He says, All these, the gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit. I think there's two things we got to see, and I'm not highlighting two other notes to take, but just two thoughts I'm going to give you. He says they're, they're all powered, he says, by one and the same Spirit. This is a unifying term. This is a unifying term. Here's the two thoughts. First of all, understand that your spiritual gifting are not to be operated in your strength, but rather in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. They are spiritual of nature, therefore the Spirit of God must be the one to empower me. I have preached. I've got the spiritual gift of preaching and teaching. And I'm telling you, there have been times where I've stood here, opened God's Word, and I have preached to you in the flesh. And I'm telling you, it lacks power. It lacks its effectiveness. Whatever gift that we have, we are to exercise in the empowerment of the supernatural strength and ability that the Holy Spirit gives us, not something we are just naturally good at. Like, I know that I can talk, right? But there's a difference between me giving a speech to you and me opening God's Word and hoping something spiritual happens in your heart. You see, there's something I can't do in, in, in the gift of talking that I've been given. I can't change the human heart. The words of Todd Connitz will only go as far as my lips, but after that, they cannot penetrate the heart and mind and transform a heart. But the Holy Spirit empowering me, giving me words to say, and then in his power and strength, the Holy Spirit then takes those words and takes it to someone's heart, and he does something in them. I have people say all the time, Pastor, I mean, the words you spoke to me last week, it changed my life. I'm like, if there was something that changed in your life, it wasn't my words. And the same is true for Every single spiritual gift. Here's the second thing I want you to see. When he says it's empowered by the same Spirit, he is showing us that the Holy Spirit is just at work in the behind-the-scenes gift as as he is in the upfront and center stage gifts. 
So here's what I mean by that. If you've been given the spiritual gift of hospitality or to uh, the, the spiritual gift of mercy, where you can just walk into that living room right after that person has passed away and you can just love. And there's just something that happens. I've watched people do this where they walk in and you're just like, man, there is a supernatural way that they interact and care for people that I don't have. Now, I appreciate it and I still need to show compassion, but these individuals just have the ability. They know exactly what to say. They know the, 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 the type of interaction that's needed. They know how to make the family feel at ease. That is a supernatural gift. And the same spirit that empowers me to proclaim God's word is the same spirit that gives that person the ability, even though they're behind the scenes and nobody else sees it. There's no elevated gifts. There's no JV gifts. There's, there's just the spiritual gifts empowered by the same spirit. And this is important that we understand. Here's number three. The third is this. Spiritual gifts are intended for the edification of the church. Spiritual gifts are intended for the edification of the church. This is the primary reason spiritual gifts have been given, to edify the church, to advance the mission of God, and to build up the people of God. This is the reason we've been given spiritual gifts. Look what he says in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, don't miss this. If you want to underline why do I have spiritual gifts, underline this in your Bible. For the common good. Spiritual Gifts are not given so that we can puff ourselves up, build ourselves up, make ourselves look good. They are given for the common good, to build up the body of Christ. He goes on in chapter 14, verse 26, to say this What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Listen to what he says Let all things be done for the building up. So whatever your spiritual gift is, it is for the building up of the people of God and the advancement of the mission of God. And I think this is important because many of us, the reason I think at least in the Baptist circles, so I can talk about Baptist because I, I am one, um, the reason that we downplay the gifts of the Spirit so much is because we are overreacting to, to some of the abuses of the gifts of the Spirit. And here's the thing, you can abuse any gift that God gives you. I can have the gift of mercy and want to express the gift of mercy so that the people in that room think, man, that is the sweetest person ever. I can abuse the gift of preaching by lording power over people. And, and can someone abuse the gift of tongues? You betcha. But what's happened is, is that because of some of the abuses of some of the self-seeking motives that some have walked in, what we've tried to do is downplay, nullify, and dismiss the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit because we failed to see the purpose. The purpose is not for self-edification, but for the edification of the church. And let me give you two that, that kind of get, make Baptists nervous that I want us to breathe a little bit, all right? Because here's the thing, whatever Paul embraces and whatever the Scripture says we should embrace, we got to embrace, Right? whether I'm comfortable with it or not, whether I've had bad experiences or not. So two, that calls Baptists to pump the brakes when it comes to spiritual gifts is one, the gift of tongues, and two, the gift of prophecy. Let me take just a brief moment. I'm already out of time, but I'm going to do it anyway. All right, so let me give you two, two things about this. The, the, the gift of tongues is this. I mean, there's nothing on the screen here, but I want to give you a definition for it. So what is the gift of tongues? It's simply this. It's giving praise or praying to God in a language that is unknown to you. That's what the gift of tongues is. It's giving praise or praying to God in a tongue that is unknown to you. And we see this gift throughout the Bible. Paul is not uncomfortable with the gift of, the, of, of speaking in tongues. In fact, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you, and I wish all of you spoke in tongues like me, although all of you are not going to. 
but I wish you would. He even encourages us, and we're going to see in a minute, to desire the gift of tongues. So Paul is not uncomfortable with it. The reason we're mostly uncomfortable with it is because either a lack of understanding about it or some abuses that we've witnessed. And we've got to understand this. Let Paul take the corrective measures to the abuses that we find right here, and then let's embrace anything that God decides he would give us as individuals. You with me? Let me give you a couple of things about the gift of tongues that I think are important. I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list of things that I think are important, but these are the big ones that I know that we wrestle with. First is this, um, the gift of tongues is not a gift for every believer. It's not a gift for every believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, explicitly, Paul communicates the fact that not every person will have every gift. Here's number two, it's not the most important gift. It's not the most important gift. Paul doesn't dismiss. He doesn't say it's not an important gift. He's saying it's not the most important gift. The problem with the church in Corinth, those who had the gift of tongues were elevating themselves and others were thinking, well, I'm lesser Christian. And Paul is saying, listen, let me be honest with you. It's not the most important gift. So, so, so we got to understand that. Number three, it's not an uncontrollable gift. Many people are scared of the gift of tongues because they, maybe if they've witnessed it or they've seen it abused, it looks as if someone is having an uncontrollable moment, like, like a, there's a trance that they've fallen into and they're just kind of out of control. No, no, no. The gift of tongues, the Holy Spirit never leads us to being out of control. Being under the influence of the Holy Spirit means we're in the Holy Spirit's control and the Holy Spirit is always going to be uh, expressing His um, presence in a way that points people to Jesus. And so when we understand the gift of, the whole, of, of speaking in tongues, that it's a controllable gift, you understand this is what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 27 through 28, and verse 40, Paul puts restrictions about speaking in tongues in the corporate gathering. Why? Because if every gift is meant for the edification of the church, if you speak in tongues in a corporate setting and there's no one who has the gift of interpretation, then the gift of tongues is only meant to edify the person speaking it, not the body. Therefore, Paul says, if you speak in tongues and there's no interpreter, you've got to be silent in the church. Why? Because the gift is not about you, it's about the people. And if there's no interpretation, it's not about the people. Are you with me? So what does this mean? Well, if Paul puts restrictions around this gift, that means that it's a gift that, that's controllable. Preaching is a controllable gift. Gift of mercy is a controllable gift. So is the gift of speaking in tongues. Here's another one. It is not to be feared, to be feared but desired. Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5, 1 and 5, he says you should not be afraid of this gift of tongues. You should actually desire it. Pray for it. Ask God to give you. If there's a gift that he would have you have, pray for it. Be open to it. See what gift God has for you and welcome every single one of them and even encourages us. If you see a gift that God hasn't given you and you feel a stirring in your heart, that God, it would bless me if you would give me that gift. He said, ask God for it. Let's just see what he does. So he says, now listen, we do so with a spirit of contentment, right? Being, being content with the gifts that we have. Here's another one. It's not to be forbidden. It's not to be forbidden. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, the gift of tongues is not to be forbidden. So I I want you to breathe a little bit with maybe some understanding from the scriptures uh, today about this gift that oftentimes scares us away from the other spiritual gifts. Here's number two, the gift of prophecy. Say, what is prophecy? Well, it's different than the Old Testament prophecy. It's not about predicting the future. It's about speaking the word or about speaking the word of the Lord. Here's what I mean by that. The gift of prophecy is not about me telling you, hey, next week you're going to get a phone call and that phone call is going to be John Smith and John Smith's going to tell you, hey, I've got a letter for you and that letter's going to have for you in it. I've already seen the letter. The letter's going to say these words and then somebody's going to show up at your house and they're going to hand you a million dollars. That's not about me doing that, although you would love for that and John Smith is show up to your home. 
the gift of prophecy is not about me predicting the future. It's also not about receiving uh, the word of the Lord. And here's what I mean by the word of the Lord. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament is not on the same plane as thus says the Lord. So if someone has the gift of prophecy, it doesn't mean they have the ability to add to Scripture. We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. You don't add to it. You don't take away from it. That The, the, the Word of God is complete, and God is not revealing any new information that, about Himself that's not revealed in His Word already. So what is the gift of prophecy? It's simply this. Let me give you a definition. It is telling something, or t- is telling something in human words that God has spontaneously or supernaturally brought to your mind or laid on your heart that you are to share with an individual or a group. So the best example I can give to you is this, of what I've seen here even at New Beginnings. A couple, about a year ago, we were having a Beyond service. Some of you were here. And as we gathered that night, man, we, as a staff, we were just tired. We were wore out. We were kind of in a, in a, kind of a spiritual funk, the best way I can describe it. And we just didn't want to be here. And so Connor and I, some of our elders are in, in here, uh, we're backstage and we just told our elders, man, we don't even want to be here. We're, we're, just, we're just tired. We're weary. It's just, we got to confess this to you before we go out there and lead our church that we're just not here mentally or spiritually. They prayed for us. We came in within three minutes of the service starting. One of our leaders who was sitting right over there got up, left his seat, came over and whispered something in Connor's ear. And this is what he said. He says, the Lord has told me that our staff needs to be prayed for, that you're tired and you're weary and you need us to encourage you rather than you encourage us. So we handed him a microphone. He took the microphone. He said, this is what the Lord has impressed in my heart. Our staff began to weep. All of you, some of you who are here, you came and laid hands on us and prayed for us and encouraged us. That, I believe, was a prophetic word that God had given that person. Did he know the conversation? Absolutely not. But the Lord told him in his spirit, something that he felt like he was to share to us. And that word, what did it do for us? It edified us and built us up in the Lord. That's the gift of prophecy. And that is the gift that God has for us. A couple of things about the gift of prophecy. It's not to be despised according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. It's not God's authoritative word, 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 32. It must be tested according to Scripture, 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 32. It must be spoken with humility and discernment, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, 36 through 40. It must be for the purpose of building up, not tearing down. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, the Lord told me you're a jerk, that's not a gift of prophecy. That's just a guy who's a jerk telling you you're a jerk, all right? It's for the purpose of building up, not tearing down. So what about the abuses? How do we avoid the abuses? Let me give you the answer to this. It's in point number four. Listen to what we learn in the scripture. He says this. He says, spiritual gifts are to be expressed in love. This is how we protect ourselves from spiritual gifts becoming something they're not supposed to become and the abuses of them. 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you have ever read 1 Corinthians 13? If you've been to a wedding, you've, you've read 1 Corinthians 13. It's known as the love chapter, right? But it never really was intended to be read at a wedding, although it's fine to read it at a wedding. The purpose of 1 Corinthians 13 was for the execution of spiritual gifting. That in between this correction 
And this explanation of chapter 12 and 14, right in the middle, you have the love chapter. And what Paul is doing in the love chapter, he's simply saying this, is that where you've missed it is that the spiritual gifts have been meant and to be used for the edification of others, which requires a deep love for one another, putting others before yourself. But you and your prideful, selfish ambition are leveraging a gift that God has given you for others for personal gain, and that's not very loving. And so he gives us this. Listen to what he says here in verse 13. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith to move mountains, to have all faith as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, even if you have the language of angels and you speak and you pray and you worship in that language, but if you do so for selfish ambition, not motivated out of love, then you're not worshiping, you're just making noise. He says, if you have so much faith that you could remove physical properties with just your mind, like you could say to Mount Everest, I want you to go to the ocean. He says, even if you could do that, if you exercise with that spiritual power with a heart that is not done in love or for selfish motives, then you've accomplished nothing. He says, you might be the most spiritually gifted person in regards to generosity. And you could not only give everything you own away, you could actually die and sacrifice your life for others. But if you do so selfishly and not motivated by love, then you've accomplished absolutely nothing. That's pretty bold, isn't it? You know why? Because Paul, and I'll just summarize, Paul finishes this letter by saying, listen, there's a day coming when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, the spiritual gifts will no longer be needed. Why? Because the spiritual gifts are to build us up in Christ, to give us a glimpse of His glory, for us to be aware of His presence, for us to understand His power. But when Christ Himself shows up, we won't need the gifts because we'll have the gift. That's Jesus. But what will remain is the love that we have in Christ because of the gospel of Jesus. And He says, Therefore, you exercise the temporary, the spiritual gifts, with the heart of the eternal, which is the love of Jesus. And when you do this, the body of Christ flourishes and grows and matures. So what do we do with this? Let me just tell you this. My encouragement for every single person watching and in this room is that you would take some time in your own life and that you would spend some time with Jesus, that you would get alone with the Lord, and that you would press in to him. And it might be that you have to spend 25, 30, 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it might be, but spending some time alone with the Lord. And you say, well, you want me to take a spiritual gift inventory? You want me to, and all of those things are great, but here's what I think is more important than that. Because nowhere in the New Testament do we see the spiritual gifts inventory. What we see is believers filled with the Holy Spirit trusting that God is going to empower them with supernatural power so that they could accomplish the things that he has called them to accomplish for his church and for his mission. So here's my challenge for every single person. Find some time alone, extended period, and begin to ask God to reveal to you if you don't already know what your spiritual gift or gifts are. I mean, really pray earnestly. God, show me, reveal to me. Maybe journal and think through this 
look into the scriptures, read these passages that we talked about and just earnestly ask God. And then if there are some gifts in your life that you would hope God would give to you, begin to ask for them. Begin to pray, God, would you, if you want to give me this gift, I would like this gift. I'm gonna trust you, but I'm asking you by faith. I wanna serve your body to the best of my ability. And if you would give me this gift, God, I would be faithful with it. Just pray and seek the Lord and be open. And whatever spiritual gift he brings into your life, here is my challenge. Use it to build others, to advance the mission. And let's just see what happens in your life and the life of those around you. New Beginnings, my prayer for us is not that we would be a church that looks a certain way or expresses gifts in a certain way. My prayer as your pastor is that we would become a church that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit and utilizes whatever gifts God would give us according to his word and in a way that edifies one another and advances the mission. And I I really believe God will continue to mature us in all of these areas. Father, we love you and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather with those online and in the room. God, we thank you that in your grace you have given us life in Jesus and that life is a life of power. Help us to walk in that power. Help us to walk in that strength. God, we submit ourselves to you. We are open to whatever you want to do in and through our lives. We ask all of this in the name of the one who died for our sins and who resurrected, the name of Jesus. And all God's people said,